thought I was going to be emotional when I got up here, but then I was just started worrying about Luke getting off the stage. <laughs> so, thanks, Luke. Um, it's all good. Uh, the, you know, I, I say this almost every time, but uh, the, the timing of it, I got these lights I'm looking at in these, in these people here. Uh, the timing of it and the message always seems that the Lord has orchestrated things, but this week I I get a sense of what the the, the eleven disciples, remember Judas was gone, uh, were were sensing and feeling when they were about to lose their friend and their savior, and He's just trying to comfort them. He's trying to comfort them as He's getting ready to leave, and this is where we pick up in the Scripture. We're, we're, we'll finish today John chapter 17, uh, and then in two weeks, we're not here next week because of holiday world, but in two weeks, we get to the Garden of Gethsemane, which to me, of the whole uh, Israel experience, that's always like the big deal for me, because I'll explain that later, but uh, they're wrapping up the end of this, and it's just Jesus giving his guys encouragement. And so it was cool to soak in this part of the scripture this week as you, as you deal with the, the, as I dealt with the loss of my mom. So uh, I appreciate your prayers, your, your hugs, your kind of hit out because I couldn't deal with it all b- before I got up here. So uh, I'll see you afterwards, hopefully. Um, but we're in John chapter 17, and we, we spent all week last week on just that one verse, John seventeen seventeen, where it says, uh, Sanctify them by the truth, your word is the truth. Luke uh, probably read ahead the end of chapter 17 because he basically preached my whole message up here this morning. Um, but to know the whole thing about sanctification, just a quick review, we won't spend a lot of time on it, but... In the scripture, it says that we are sanctified, past tense, that it's already occurred, those who are believers in Jesus Christ, and that we're being sanctified currently, present tense, and that we will be sanctified in the future. You have to make that work. If you don't make that work, then you get this mess, and everybody argues theology and things like that. So you have to understand this, that the moment that I believe, which for me was when I was eight years old, and I believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that he sanctified sanctified me, past tense. He made me holy. He set me apart. Who did he set me apart from? He set me apart from unbelievers. So the way that I walk this earth, as Luke explained, is I walk it differently than those who are non-believers. He set me apart. He made me holy. He sanctified me. When I was eight years old, I could not be made more holy than I was at that moment. It was a done deal. There's no other process to go through. And then he says, I'm being sanctified. I'm being sanctified. And if that's the case, I'm already sanctified. There's only one thing that's being sanctified, and that's my behavior. So when he sanctified me, he freed me from the penalty of sin, which was death. 
now currently he is sanctifying and he has given me the ability to overcome the power of sin as Luke talked about. What's the power of sin? It's those crazy thoughts that come in our head that cause us to not to want to walk by the spirit but to walk by the flesh. That's the power of sin. He's constantly tempting me and causing me to think about things that I can't even originate those thoughts. There's this power that lives in me, but Jesus has given me the ability to overcome that. And as I go through my life, I get better in my behavior because he's doing that in me. It's not something I do. He he does it in me. And then the future tense is you will be sanctified is I know that I'll be in heaven someday just like my mom is completely sanctified. Completely. Like, she doesn't even, they don't even talk about sin. <laughs> she doesn't have to deal with it. Don't talk about it. The whole past thing, you know, which I try to tell you is like already been dealt with here. It's not even a discussion. No temptation. She's free. She's absolutely free. And I, I go back to like the old covenant. You go back to Psalm 119, and there's this passage of Scripture that uh, here's what happened in verse 9. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. You see, in the old covenant, which was everything before Jesus died on the cross, he brought them the law. He gave them the word, which was the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He gave them all the prophets. He gave them all the history, and they would study that thing, and they would memorize it, and they would learn it, and they would walk by it, and they would try to be obedient to it, and they couldn't do it, and they keep repeating this process. And finally, Jesus came and said, Hey, look, you've proven that you can't do it. I'm going to die for you, so uh, I'm going to die. And I've completely obeyed the law. I'm the perfect sacrifice. So then he died, he was, his blood was poured out, which gave us forgiveness of sin. That's kind of a big deal. Um, he was buried, he rose again. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and now he sends his spirit to live within us. So guess what? I have this holy living God inside of me, and it's the word. And he, he, he says right here, he says, I've sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. This is David saying this. I've treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. David's like saying, I, I, I've memorized this thing and, and I'm trying to be obedient to it. And here's the cool thing is, is I don't have to do that. I know the word and the word is in my heart. It's actually in my head. The more I walk by the spirit, the more I learn it, the more I soak it up as I'm I grow, but I don't need the law, the word, to show me how to live my life. It's incredible, but he's taken up residence inside of me and caused me to know how to live my life. I just have to be obedient to it. Just choose to do what the Spirit leads me to do, to walk in the Spirit. And again, I'll say this, back to that passage. Who does the sanctifying? It's not the truth. It's God who sanctifies. He uses the truth as a tool to sanctify. Verse 18, it says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. 
Here's what he did. This is a, this is a, you got to figure this thing out. I say that every week, and it's the same thing. He came to model for his disciples, really his 12 disciples, what it was like to walk here on earth and to live his life by another source. He said to his disciples, look, all these things that you've seen me do, change water to wine, walk on water, heal the, heal the blind, heal the sick, I didn't do those. I didn't do those. You saw me do it, but it was actually the Father in me doing it. Jesus learned, not learned, chose to live his life by another. And he came here and he modeled it for his disciples. And he says, just as I came here by the Father, I came here for you so you could see this. So you could see this, so you could do this, and so that you could model it for everybody else. That was 2,000 years ago. It's had a hard, you know, the gossip game, it's had a hard time making its way down. And we've kind of like gone back to the old covenant. I got to live by the law. Here's the Ten Commandments. I got to do these things. Da, 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 da. When really all he's saying is you, you church need to figure out how to live your life by another source. Now I'll stop right here. And I'll ask, I'll ask in this room right here a real question. What does it look like to live your life by another source? I want to hear from you. What? Yeah, you walk in hope. There's peace in the midst of chaos. Yeah, what? Trusting? Love. You just want to come up here and preach? Yeah, waiting for the call. I'll let you know. What is it? What is it like? What does you're given like some great church answers, Bible answers? But I got some people in here that are really like going, okay, what does it look like to live by another source? It looks like not putting yourself first. Hang on, hang on. What? Understanding the hard times are good for you. Well, was somebody saying something back there? Understanding what? Understanding of others. Natural. Surrender. No expectations. No expectations. Mm, work on that one. Jim, you just opened up a can of worms there. <laughs> that still small voice just like, because everybody knows the still small voice and they go back to National Lampoon and they got this one here and this one here, if you know what I'm talking about. And you, the only way you know the difference between this one here and this one here is to know the Father. But you're right, that still small voice can come through many things, Sherry. I'll agree with that.
Yeah. Yeah. When I think when you begin to experience this adventure of living your life by another source, you begin to see a lot more things. You know, it's like I go into the whole my mom dying on Friday thing, but I just saw how it was all orchestrated. Where that we were in Nashville and. I wanted to be with both my kids, but uh, we knew Chloe was going to have the hardest time, but we were there when, with Chloe. Uh, I'm not going to go there. Cause it. Uh, I, I think one of the biggest things is, is obviously you guys know uh, I deal with crisis all the time. <laughs> try not to deal with it in my own life, but uh, it, with everybody else. But but here's the beauty of crisis and the junk and everything else is when you get to the point and say, I can't do this anymore, I'm like, yes. That is a beautiful place. When you say, I, because the whole time, not the whole time, but a lot of the time we do this in our own strength, and that's really what the old covenant was to say you can't do this in your own strength now you've got to live your life by another source and when you get to the end of yourself and say i can't do this anymore then you trust okay somebody else has to do this for me and that is what living your life by another source is and jesus says this is what it looks like disciples this is what it looks like we try to paint this picture here. It's a beautiful to hear you guys say it because I see that you desire it. The, the pressure's off. It takes total pressure off. Verse 19 says, I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. He didn't, Jesus didn't sanctify himself for his own purpose. He literally yielded to the Father's source of strength because he wanted his disciples to see it. I played that game of doing it in my own strength for a long time. I'm a I'm a somewhat disciplined guy. I'm somewhat motivated. I I can I'm organized and I literally tried to control my ministry and literally control the behavior of the people I was ministering to and it it ran me ragged. John Bisogno was a pastor at First Baptist Houston who's actually uh, passed along just recently. But when he was in seminary at Southwestern, he graduated. In the back of his Bible, he wrote 60 names of people that graduated with him that were going in the ministry. And when he retired in his 60s, John Bassanio, he had literally gone through and marked out every name of his peers that he graduated with that had either burned out, walked away, or failed started with 60 names, marked them out as through the years of ministry. And when he retired, there were six names in the back of his book. One out of ten survived ministry. And it's probably not any different for you out there. And so when you get to the point where you can't do this anymore and you go, how do you do this? Well, I try not to. I'm still learning, still learning how not to do this and just trust that the Lord will do it. 
I I get that you come here and hear this. You need me to live my life by another source. I need you to live your life by another source. If that happens, this place would blow up. I'm here today because I love you. And I'm still learning what it means to yield my life by another source. Jesus says, verse 20, this is is the kicker. He's done all this for the disciples, comfort them, everything else. And now get, get this, he goes into comforting all believers. This is you sitting in this room, Jesus Praise for you. This is great. We close up chapter 17. It says, I pray not only for these disciples, but also for those who believe in me through their word. He's praying for all of us. Is that not a comfort to know that Jesus is praying for us? Luke, I appreciate you praying up here, but man, Jesus is praying for me all the time. He says, this is a huge verse right here. May they all be one. May they all be one. Unity is a a desire of most people. And I promise you, listen to me closely, religion will never accomplish unity. Religion will never accomplish unity. Uh, As Luke said, I believe our country is becoming more divisive by the minute. Or by the tweet. But unity, Jesus says, may they all be one. I believe that unity finds itself in God the Father. The unity is from, I I love thinking in this concept of uh, the past Infinity past. What is infinity past? It just goes on and on and on. Infinity future goes on and on and on. That's just it. You realize that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have been infinity past, infinity future. They've always been, and they've always been unified. They've always been one. And just as, again, Luke said, once we become in Christ, we ourselves are seated in the heavenlies. You'll see that here in just a second. And we go in infinity past, unified as one with the Father, with the Son, and with the Spirit. It's crazy. It says, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. You have a spirit... You have a spirit. And 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 you have a spirit. There may be 110 people in this room. How many spirits are in the room? (laughs) One. One. You want to know what unity is? 
one spirit, one body. When one hurts, we all hurt. When the spirit leads, we all go. That's what unity is, is one. He says, verse 22, I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. You can have all the bells and whistles of a huge organization, but it will not prevail unless there's unity through the body of Christ. And if love is absent, it will fail. I mean, he says, I've given them the glory that you have given me. What is the glory of God? Someone define the glory of God as this. Well, listen to this. The awesomeness of the character of God, which is the expression of the presence of God and which only draws attention to the person of God. Let me say that again. The glory of God is the awesomeness of the character of God, which is the expression of the presence of God and which only draws attention to the person of God. Here's the crazy thing. That same glory that was in the burning bush with Moses... That same glory that was in the temple that led them through the wilderness. That same glory that showed up when Jesus was born. Behold, the glory of the Lord. Watch this. Colossians 1.27 God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> that same glory, burning bush, Wilderness is in you. Craziness. That awesomeness of the presence of God and just the awareness of who he is, and it's not about you, but it's about him, is in you. The glory of God resides in you. Figure that out, and you see the world differently. You figure that out about yourself, and all of a sudden, you see things differently because you realize it's not just you that it's happening to. If that glory lives in me, I have access to the person of God. Same as you do. I'm no different than you. Verse 23. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Hey, people, Jesus lives in me, and the Father is in Jesus. He says, Rusty, I love you just as much as I love my son. That's a pretty big deal. I love you just as much as I love Jesus. He says, Father, I want those you have given to me, given me to be with me where I am. <laughs> 
so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you have loved me before the world's foundation. Jesus says where I am. He's here on earth. He's talking to the disciples, but yet he's also seated in the heavens at the same time. He's two places at once. And he says, I want these disciples to be in the same place. That's going to happen. Hadn't at the moment, but it will happen after Acts chapter 2. But there's a big difference. I'll show you the difference. Watch this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So watch, as those of you who are believers in this room, there was a veil on you at one time when you were born. And now, as you believe, that veil has been removed. And you're able to see there's a spirit inside of you. That's different, like we said from the beginning, where you're sanctified. You're set apart from those who are non-believers. Watch, if you go back four verses earlier, it says, but their minds, talking about the unbelievers, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. In other words, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are able to understand what I'm talking about here today. Those who don't believe in Jesus Christ can't see it. There is a, they, they, they don't have the same spirit inside of them. There's a broken relationship there. But if Christ is in me and the Father is in Christ, they're able to communicate with me and talk to me and to teach me and allow me to see and reveal things that I've never seen before. Go back to that verse 18, and it says we're being transformed. What's being transformed? If I'm already sanctified, the only thing that's being transformed is my behavior. He's making us into more of a spiritual, mature human being than I was yesterday. That's what it is. He's transforming me. Can I be made more holy? Not in my person, not in my soul and my spirit. Maybe in my behavior, but not in who I am. You have to know that. You cannot be made more holy than you are right now. He closes out these last two verses. He says, Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. Oh, this is a tough one right here. The whole world says the whole world knew that the Father sent the Son. How in the world does the whole world know that the Father sent the Son? The only way the world knows is because they see the unity of the church. That's kind of hard right now. That's kind of hard right now. But because of the unity that we're all one, we're all together in this thing, the rest of the world is going to see, hey, they're different. And the Father will be glorified. Last verse, it says, I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. That 
if the cross hasn't happened yet, and he's saying this to the disciples, they had to be look at him like, what did he just say? Wait, you're in the Father, and you're going to be in me, and they didn't really get it at this point. Jesus had to die, buried, raised again, sent the Spirit, and all of a sudden when they had that Spirit, they were able to see. So after Acts chapter 2, this all began to click in for them, that Jesus would be in them, that Jesus would be them with them to comfort them through the chaos, that Jesus is going to give his peace, his peace to us. And my peace is his peace. Father, I thank you for uh, your word today. I thank you for uh, trusting you. And that you uh, love us dearly. That you are constantly praying for us. And that you care about us. I pray that this is unpacked in this room right here. And people are able to see it. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.